Well, turn your Bibles with me to Ephesians 5, verses 17 through 18. I read recently that if we live to be 70 years of age, the average person spends 24 years sleeping. And some of us want even more than that, don't we? We spend 14 years of our time at work, and y'all would probably say amen to that, We spend eight years of time in recreation watching TV or leisure or sports, hobbies, whatever. We spend six years eating. We spend five years, six years eating. We spend five years in transit somewhere, in the car going somewhere, four years in conversation, five years in school or studying or reading or something like that, and the remaining four years are spent in miscellaneous pursuits. By the way, just as a side note, uh, church and serving the Lord are in those four years of miscellaneous pursuits. So that tells you that that's part of four years of miscellaneous, somewhere between five months. And if you're really serious, if you're super active and you're involved in church and you're involved in serving the Lord on a regular basis, it's about one year and nine months of your life. That's what we spend. Now, I want you to think about that for just a second before we move on as you... As you, as you look at our lives, God sort of seems like He's in that basket on the counter where the paper clips and the safety pins and the extra pins and the notes and the, all that kind of stuff. You know that extra stuff basket? If you begin to look at that, that seems kind of more where He is in our lives, doesn't it? And we've got to be careful a little bit with numbers like that. Because some of you here today, you like to plan things out. You like to budget things. And if you get too focused on the numbers... It could drive you crazy. But on the other hand, don't those numbers help us a little bit? Don't they help us to put things in perspective, to be aware that, you know, one day our life is going to be over. One day we're going to look back and and the tape's going to be played. We're going to see this is, no, this is really the amount of time that that I spent on this and the amount of time that I spent on that. And, And we're going to really think about how did we use the time that God had given us? Did we really make the most of the opportunity that God gave us to live this life. It's been said that whatever you want at the end, you better build it in at the beginning. Now, as I say that, unfortunately, many of us think, well, sorry, I missed that. (laughs) You know, I started out my life way wrong. Hey, I lived the first 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, some even older years of my life missing it. But, but at least you can understand the emphasis. What God is saying is, listen, whatever 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 your dream is, your vision for out front here, start now. Start from this point forward. Start early. No matter what it is, there's no better time to start it than right now. As we turn to Ephesians 5, verses 5, uh, 15 through 17, that was the challenge that Paul was led by God to share with the Ephesians. They were in a new church. They were just getting started in their walk with God. They, like many of us, had lived much of their life without God. They were starting over in life. Praise God. Amen. They were starting over in a personal relationship with God through His Son Christ. They knew they were going to heaven. They knew God had hope for them. They knew God wanted to change their lives, but they had a lot of questions about how that was supposed to be lived out. And God was helping them to learn what it meant to walk with Him. In fact, that word walk we've talked about has been emphasized all throughout Ephesians. That's exactly what Paul was saying. God wants you to walk with Him. He wants you to have a daily, personal, intimate relationship with Him. We've been studying some of that. Today we want to think about the challenge that Paul gives them in verses 15 through 17. He challenges them to make the most of their life. And I want to read those verses and then talk about them a little bit this morning. It says, Therefore... In light of everything Paul shared, 
In verse, uh, in chapter 4, he's been getting real practical with living our lives. He says, therefore, in light of all that, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. So then do not be foolish, <clears throat> but understand what the will of the Lord is. The first thing I believe Paul challenges them in verse 15 is to pay attention to where they're going. Pay attention to where you're going, he says in verse 15. He says, therefore, be careful. Pay attention, perk up. Be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise. People tell me that I'm too young to do things like this, but have you ever done this? There's been times when I'm driving down the interstate, and I don't know what mind my planet is, I mean, what planet my mind is in, but all of a sudden, there I go right there, right? And all of a sudden, I wake up and I realize, say, my exit was way back there, and I have to turn around and go back, or I'm having a conversation, I get sidetracked. I've gotten to where now when I get in the car with somebody, if I'm going to Albany or something like that, I'll say, hey, would you help me look for the exit? Because I'll get so involved in the conversation or I'll be in the clouds thinking or whatever, and I'll, I'll miss it. Well, the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians that it's like that. Amen. Isn't it like that in our walk with God too? In fact, in verse 14, he just told them to wake up. He says in verse 14, for this reason it says, awake, sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. He says, listen, we need to perk up. We need to pay attention. He says, be careful how you are walking. That word, it means to look at something, to see it, to watch it, to pay attention. And it has this idea, the way it's put here, to look at it carefully, to look at it with great attentiveness. And what is it that he says to look at? He says, watch something. Watch how you walk. As I mentioned, that's a word that's been emphasized all throughout Ephesians. In fact, as best I can tell, it's used seven times in the tiny book of Ephesians. And actually, the word really more literally means walking around. It doesn't just mean walking, but it means walking around. As I think about that word, it gives me that idea of it's talking about living my life. I'm walking around in this life. Do you ever feel like I'm just wandering through life? As you're walking through life, watch how you're living. Watch how you're conducting that life. It's just talking about our daily life. Sometimes even Christians will use the term about their relationship with God. They'll say, my Christian walk or my daily walk. That's where this comes from. And, and, and I like it because it seems to emphasize that we are on a journey in this life. We are going somewhere, aren't we? We're headed somewhere. Whether we like it or not, we are going somewhere. And God says, I want you to pay attention to where your life is headed. I want to ask you something. Has there been portions of your life, have there been portions of your life where you were not paying attention? Have there been weeks? Have there been months? And some of us would say, no, I'd have to even say there have been years that I just was not paying attention to where my life was headed. All of us have regrets, don't we? All of us wish we could turn back the clock. All of us wish we could change some things. But let me ask you this question. Is right now... One of those times. Is that why God brought you here this morning? Because he's trying to say to you, there's, been, there's maybe been weeks that you haven't thought about what I'm doing in your life. Or maybe it's been months. Or maybe it's just been days, but God is trying to perk up and catch your attention. In fact, that's the sense of verse 15. Paul's saying to them, be careful how you, many translations translate how you walk, but really it's how you are walking. What does that sound like? How you are living when? Right now, Paul says, be careful about something. Be careful how you're living your life right now. You might have had some better days. You might have had some really bad days. But today 
is all that you and I can do anything about. Are you paying attention to your daily relationship with God right now? Or are you like me on the interstate, you're just coasting through life and you don't even know what road you're on? He tells them, make sure you're living life. He says, wisely, not unwisely. And what is wisdom? We've talked about this as we've gone through Ephesians. Our wisdom is taking knowledge and knowing how to apply it properly. It's not just knowing what to do, but it's knowing how to put it into your life. So right now in your life, are you paying attention to the direction of your life? Are you growing in your understanding of God and His plan for your life? We're going to talk about that more in just a minute. Are you putting into practice in your life what God has taught you? Do you have a plan for your life? Are you watching it? Are you monitoring that plan? Are you evaluating where your life is going from time to time in your life? Are you so busy running around doing this and that that you haven't had time to stop and to think about where you are? You know what God's Word says? If we don't take time to stop and pay attention every once in a while, the Bible says that is not a very smart way to live. It says that's a very unwise way for us to live our lives. The Lord spoke to me the other day about, you know, my life as a pastor and as as God's servant in this church family. You know, we have a vision for this church. We've written down that vision. And you know what? On a daily basis, I take time to think about working towards that vision. On a weekly basis, I meet with some other guys. I meet with Jeff and with Pastor Brad over at Southlands Falls, and we get together. We personally hold each other accountable, but we also hold each other accountable to how are we progressing in the things that God has called us to do. And on a periodic basis, I pull aside to, to do a little bit more, in more detail, and maybe I take a retreat or something like that. But you know, I got to thinking, do I do that for my own life? Do I do that for my own family? Well, to some degree, yes, I do. Yeah, I think about those things on a weekly basis or a periodic basis, and I work on those things, but, but I don't know if I could say I do that as intentionally as I do for this church family. And I got to thinking about that. I said, dear Lord, are you telling me? And, you know, really in my head, I know that my family, that my life is really the most important priority God has, and then our church family comes third, just like all of our lives. It's my life, my relationship with the Lord, my family, how's that going? And then... Everything else that I do. And God began to speak to me. Robbie, are you paying attention to where your life and to where your family's life is headed? So it's, it could be your life. It could be your family. It could be other key areas. But the question is, are you paying attention to where that's headed? Because that's one of the keys for at the end of this life, looking back and saying, yeah, I made the most of it. But the second thing he says in verse 16 is don't waste opportunities. Don't waste the opportunity. He says, making the most of your time because the days are evil. I want you to know that with all of my heart, I believe that with God's help, I believe this, every person in this room can see amazing things happen in and through your life. However, before God intervenes, wouldn't you say most of us are just ordinary people? Or just regular people. I mean, there's some really extraordinary people. I mean, there's some Michael Jordans going around that just, they don't even have, hardly have to try. It seems like they can do it. But for the rest of us, we seem to have to work for it. What makes ordinary people have the ability to accomplish a lot in life? Well, I believe what we're going to talk about in verse 16 is very important to accomplishing a lot in our lifetime. Paul says, making the most of your time. That's in the New American Standard Version, which I'm reading out of. 
But other versions say something like this. Actually, more literally, it says, as some of your versions, redeeming the time. Or some of your translations say making the most of every opportunity. Redeeming was a term that meant to buy something back, to purchase something. The other word, the word time that's used here, was an important word. See, the Greek people had two words for time. One was chronos, which was chronological time. That's where we get our word chronological. Chronos means seconds, minutes, weeks, months. It means uh, uh, numbers in succession, like Drew's learning to count. Count to ten, Drew. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, that's chronos. But this word meant much more than that. It was the word kairos. And it's translated an opportune time, a special moment in time. That's the word that's used here, so don't miss that. What the Bible's referring to is the fact that God has a plan. Amen? God has a plan in history. And He's working things out according to that plan. And those things that God intends for ha- to happen happen at the, we might say, the right time or the appointed time. That's what this word is talking about. It's not just numbers on a calendar. It's a chosen period of time for a certain special purpose. So don't miss this. The Bible says redeeming those kind of things. There are specific opportunities. There are moments. There are things that God has given us, and there are moments in time that must be captured. They're not just one, two, three, four, five. So I like to translate it, valuing the opportunities we are given. That's what he says. Sometimes we use the expression, have you ever used this expression, I'm just buying time? What does that mean? I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to hold things off a little bit. I'm trying to slow things, slow the process down a little bit because sometimes life gets by so quickly. And so we get that expression, I'm buying time. What are we trying to do? I'm trying to, time just keeps going. I mean, it just keeps ticking. And I realize there's some things I need to do, so I'm trying to slow it down. And I believe that God's telling us here that the time that we're given here on this earth is precious. And it is all important. None of it is intended to be wasted. In fact, even though we don't know, the Bible says God knows. Now listen, God knows exactly how many days you have to work with. Isn't that amazing? I mean, what if at the beginning of your life, God said, okay, the clock is ticking. You got this number of years. You got this number of days. You got this number of minutes. If I knew exactly, if I knew that that three weeks from now was going to be the last day of my life, You think I might be living differently today? If I knew that my days were numbered, if I knew that my clock was ticking, uh, Psalm chapter 90, verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom, or so that we may gain a heart of wisdom. God, help us to realize how precious this life is. Help us to realize that it's passing by, that we don't get some of those opportunities back. I'm convinced that each day, listen friends, I really believe this, each day that we live our life, we are given opportunities. We are given opportunities to meet with God. We are given opportunities to point others to Jesus Christ. We are given opportunities to be a part of fulfilling God's plan in this world. And God tells us here through his servant Paul, if you want to make the most of your life, perk up, pay attention, don't miss this, you are going to get some opportune times in life. So grab every one. Don't miss it. He says, because the days are evil. 
If I could just summarize that, basically, I would just say the opportunities come and go, so don't miss them. Let me give you some examples. This weekend, we have some family visiting. You know, since we don't see our family very often, every time we see family, I think to myself, whether we're visiting them or whether they're visiting us, I think to myself, pay attention. The days are going to go by quick. Y'all know what it's like, don't you? When you go for Christmas or something like that, pay attention because you get busy with the kids or we're fixing meals or we're opening presents and all of a sudden, what are we doing? We're loading up and we're going back home and the opportunities are gone. The opportunity to sit down for five minutes and to have a conversation or the opportunity to enjoy them or to bless them or to get to know them better. I think about this with my kids every single week. I think about this with my marriage every single week. I think to myself, you know what? My kids will not be this age forever. They will not be at this cycle forever. They will not be this dynamic in our family forever. I think about, you know, our marriage. Shannon and I, we're people and we're growing and we're going to be different one day. Let's grow together. Let's don't miss this stage. Let's don't miss this opportunity. Enjoy it. Bless them. Build them up. Be a part of what God is doing in their lives right now because it will soon be gone. Amen? And I know you are going to tell me after the service, you just won't believe how soon. I don't want to hear it. Please don't tell me. I don't want to see my kids grow up. I want to put a brick on their head and just say, stay right here. But it is a blessing. Every stage, isn't it? Every stage is. I've enjoyed every part of their growing up. And I don't want to miss one single one. And it's not just our family, but other parts of our lives. As you walk with God, He is going to give you opportunities. Isn't it exciting? The Bible says God is always working. I mean, right now, God is working in this world. It's not a matter of if God is working or not. It's a matter of whether I'm paying attention and getting involved with that work or not. So learn to recognize it. Learn to value it. Learn to take those opportunities. It might be a witnessing opportunity. You might never again have that opportunity that God puts on your heart. Take that teachable moment with your kids. You know what? Last night after Josh's ball game, there was a great opportunity. He and I rode home together. I had a great opportunity just to share my heart with him about something that happened in that game. It was a teachable moment. I cannot get that back. I had the opportunity, and hopefully I grabbed it. It might be a job or a blessing God brings to you. Learn to notice those things. Learn to take them. Hey, kids, I was talking about games. Josh was just in a game. Listen, if, you, if you've been praying about God, you know what? You know the desire of my heart is I just love to play shortstop. And Lord, just be fine with me either way, whether I, whether I play shortstop or not. But Lord, I just love to play shortstop. When the coach comes up to you and says, would you like to play shortstop? Hello. There's the answer to your prayers. Take the opportunity. Because if you don't, guess what? Somebody else does want to play. And the opportunity is gone. That may seem like a, just a simple everyday way, but that's exactly, I believe, God is always working. He's working in real practical everyday ways i'm convinced that many people now listen to me i'm convinced that many people that we would look at and say man they sure are good man they sure are good at living life you know what i don't really think they're all that impressive for most people that i've met that are good at what they do but you've heard me say before i believe they're opportunistic when opportunities come they recognize them and they take them Now, I need to make something clear here. This doesn't mean everything that comes down the pike, take it. Do you understand that? Because that could turn you into an aggressive person that runs over everybody. (laughs) Anybody want a piece of pie? I do. I'm taking that opportunity, right? Or it could turn into a person who's very foolish. Not every opportunity that comes is from God. 
The difference here is to be so in tune with God, to be walking with Him. And none of us have this perfectly, but the more you walk with God, the more you listen to Him. When you see that opportunity come and you recognize it as from Him, then take it. And that points us to the last thing in verses 17. We need to see the bigger picture. In verse 17, he says, So then don't be foolish, don't be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. What we're talking about here really is what it says there, understanding God's will for your life. Now, boy, when you talk about God's will, Christians sometimes really get complicated. There's God's perfect will, what He really wants. There's God's permissive will, what He allows to take place. There's God's general will, His overarching purpose for all of history. Then there's God's specific will, His particular plan for your life. Good grief. If you're just starting out your walk with God, you go, how many are there? I mean, okay, general, specific, particular, you know, mine, yours, everybody's wishes, realistically, what is God's will? Well, I understand all that, and sometimes it can be helpful to distinguish things like that, but I've shared with you before, I think sometimes Christians, listen to me, friends, especially if you're a Christian, sometimes I think Christians complicate things, and I should say overcomplicate things for a couple of reasons. Number one is pride. We like to show that we know a lot. So instead of just saying God's will, we like to make up all kinds of categories. Or we can say, well, did you know about His permissive will? Did you know about His perfect will? Just talk about God and what He wants. That's what His will is, what God's desire is, what His wishes are, what His wants are. Sometimes it's not just pride, it's avoidance. It's easier to talk about theories than it is to apply it to your life. So if we can get all sidetracked with all these theories, then we never get to the point of saying, well, what is His will? What does God want? Paul says, listen, a lot of everything I told you, don't be unwise. And actually, that word unwise literally means without a mind. (laughs) One day, are we going to say, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? I had a life. I had some opportunities. I had friends. I had coworkers. I had neighbors. I had a family. I had a church. I had resources. What was I thinking? Paul says, in light of all that, don't be without a mind. Instead, he says, understand what the will of the Lord is. The word understand means to bring things together. It's not just concepts, but it's to take these concepts and to bring them together in such a way that you can use them. It means to put it all together. That's the point of wisdom, isn't it? I may have knowledge, but wisdom is I take all that knowledge and I process it and I get it. I use it. God wants me to know and to experience His will. His will could be translated... Now, we like that term because it sounds more technical, and there's a sense in which we can talk about God's will, but it can be translated God's desire, God's wants, or God's wishes. And when I say God's wishes, don't take it as if He's hoping so, okay? What I mean by it is kind of like a a servant comes to the master and says, As you wish, sire, right? (laughs) That doesn't mean that it's going to change, does it? I mean, it's just a, one way of putting it. The Bible says God has a plan, and God's plan will be accomplished. And God wants us to get that bigger picture. Listen, as you grow in your personal relationship with the Lord Jesus, you're going to learn, as you read His Word, you're going to learn God has a plan for this world. And did you know the Bible gives some specific details about that? You can learn more. Listen, 
When you read God's word, you know, wonder what God likes, wonder what God wants, wonder what his desire is. Can I tell you, the Bible seems to yell out to me as I read his word, God's heart is for us. He loves us. He created us for a relationship with him. He would, he would go to the, the depths, the, 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 the bottom of the pit for us. He did by dying on the cross. He rose again. He's offering us life. If we'll receive that gift, we can have life. We can walk with Him the rest of our lives, participate in His plan, and one day go to be with Him forever and ever. Amen? That's clear. That's a big picture. I'm glad I know that. The Bible says one day God's going to wrap this thing up. There's a lot of specific details about how God one day is going to take all that's wrong in this world and He's going to make those things right. So you can understand some measure of the big picture that God is working in this world, that history is moving towards some specific points. But did you know you can also realize that God has a plan for your life in the middle of that bigger plan? God created you for a reason. And as you read His Word, as you walk with Him, you'll begin to understand some, some, some general things that He expects of all of His children. Sometimes people will say, with me, will say to a pastor, they'll say, you know, I just want to know God's will for my life, but they're living in adultery. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, it's God's will for you to be different, for you to be sanctified, that you flee from immorality. You know what I can say to them? I know God's will for you that's awful boastful. You know God's will for that. Well, it says it right there. You should not be living like that. You know what they're looking for? The specific job, what they should name their puppy, you know, what car they should buy. All these kind of things. You know what? God can give you that if you want to know it. I think he gives a lot of freedom in that too, just to make some choices. I don't know how he works all that out. But there's some general things that God just says, this is what I want for my people. And as you develop your personal relationship, does it amaze you? Does anybody here meet with God in the morning? Does anybody here read your Bible or maybe a little devotional? Or you listen to a pastor on the radio or you take the messages here and you say, God, just speak to me. Continue to feed me off of what I learned on Sunday or speak to me through. And does God speak to you? Anybody here? Amen. It is incredible to me. I don't understand it. I can't explain it to you. I don't mean to make it overly mystical. Mostly it comes through His Word. But you know what? There's a sense in which I can get to know better that God has a personal plan for Robbie Langford. And I can walk with him. I'm not going to be so bold as as to say, not very often, that I would say, I know this is what God wants me to do. But sometimes I get to that point. And more and more as I get to know his heart, as I develop my relationship with him, I can see more of the bigger picture. I can understand things. And you know what? The more that happens, the more I make the most of my life because I'm walking with God. I'm listening to him. Hopefully, as we're going to learn here in just the next verses, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit next week. We're going to be talking about led by, being led by God's Spirit. I believe that's one of the keys to the Christian walk is letting God lead you by the Spirit of God working in your life. Through all these things, reading His Word, seeing the bigger picture of His plan in this world, seeing the bigger picture of what He does through the life of an individual person like me, and then developing my personal relationship with Him, all those things help me more and more to see the bigger picture. Can I tell you something amazing? If you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are on a trip with God. Amen? You're on a journey. And that makes it exciting. When I get up this morning, I just don't know what we're going to do today. Do you? 
God, good morning. A lot of times I'll just say, Lord, good morning. Thank you for a good night's rest. Hope you had a good night. I know you were busy. I'm glad I could take a break. What are we going to do today, Lord? And literally, we can talk about this another time, but I'll take out my Bible, and I'll also take out my planner. And not long after that, after I get in, I read my paper. You know what I'm doing? I'm seeing the big picture. I'm talking about my day, and I'm also reading about what's going on in this world so I can kind of have some bearings. And as God speaks to me, through, as I walk with Him throughout the day, He can speak to me. He can guide me. He can lead me. You want to make the most of your life? Listen, you've got to start by paying attention to where you're going. Where are you going this morning? Where are you headed? Do you even know? Maybe you just need to start with God. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know where I'm headed. I'm not sure where I'm at in life right now. Then God tells us you need to be sensitive. We need to be sensitive for God incidents, for opportune moments. God is always working. Can I just tell you something? Can I just give you a little a flash here for just a second, a, a warning sign to go up? I've been praying about this all week. I've been thinking about this all week. I've been saying to myself every day, okay, Lord, I'm preaching about making the most of your life and not missing opportunities. Can I tell you, I can list at least five awesome opportunities that I've missed in different strategic ways this week. And I said, what a knucklehead. Here you are talking about it, speaking about it. You know what? We will never get this perfect, will we? But God is working, and I want to be paying attention. And the more I do that, I can learn and live the will of God. The problem for many of us is, you would say, I've lived a lot of life different than this. I wasted my first marriage. I started on the wrong career path. I compromised my body in some way physically. I missed the cycle of my kids. I know I missed my kids during that, those younger... I haven't sought God. I haven't always paid attention. I wish I had known better, or I did know better, but I wish I had made different choices. Well, welcome to the club. Amen? It's called Sinners Anonymous. And it's time to come out. Sin separates us from God, doesn't it? It destroys His plans for us. It separates us from one another. And ultimately, it will keep us from a connection with God and a relationship of having life with Him forever. And that's why Jesus died on the cross. He died to make up all the difference that I've missed. The Bible says all of us have sinned and fall short of the goal of the glory of God. God has a plan. Every single one of us has missed it. Every single one of us will continue to miss it to some extent. But Jesus Christ fulfilled His plan perfectly for you and you and you and you and me. And when we receive, I don't understand it either. I know it's hard to, hard to understand. When we receive Christ as our Savior, all the missed opportunities, all the things that God gave me that I didn't value, that I didn't purchase, that I didn't buy back, God makes that up for me. Isn't that incredible? He washes my sins away, and He gives me a personal relationship with Himself. Friend, if you're here today, and you would just be broken, you would say, you know what? I haven't made the most of my life. I've missed a lot. Did you know God has this amazing thing called grace that can make it up pretty neatly? I'm not going to promise you that He's going to take away all the consequences of your choices. We may have some things to deal with in this life as a result of choices we've made. But I want to tell you something. Many times He does. But He will give you a relationship with Him that will change everything. 
And you can just start that today by saying, Dear Lord Jesus, I believe it. <laughs> I believe it. I've heard your message today. I need it. I know I need it. I know I'm a sinner. I know I've missed your goal for me. And I ask you to please, God, please forgive me. Please wash my sins away by applying what Jesus did on that cross to my heart. Please come into my heart and please help me. I know, I know I'm going to mess up tomorrow, God. I know it. I know I'm going to miss it. I know I'm going to say the wrong things. I'm going to do the wrong things. But God, would you help me? Just day by day for the rest of my life, would you help me to walk with you? I want to be your child today. Maybe you're here today and you are a Christian. But God is speaking to you about some aspect of what we've talked about. Are you living? Would you? Here we are at the end of our life. If this were the end of your life today, what would you look back and say, oh my goodness, I wasted so much. You'll never be able to make it all up, so don't try to do that. But starting today, from this point forward, we're going to walk with God. Is that your desire? Let's pray together. Dear Lord, I thank you for your word that challenges us. And I know that these people, much like me, probably would not have thought about this this morning if we had not come to church. And so, God, I thank you for your word that brings us to points that we can't bring ourselves to or we don't want to bring ourselves to or or whatever. God, life just keeps us from. But today, you're speaking to people's hearts. One day, this life will be over. One day I will give an account to Almighty God for the life that I was given. And really, Lord, as we look at your word, it boils down to two questions. What did you do with my son, Jesus? And what did you do with everything else that I gave you? And Lord, that first one is really the one that counts. Did we ever give our hearts to Jesus? Did we ever receive you as our Savior? Did we ever acknowledge that we needed you, God, and that you died for us? Did your your death make a difference to us? Did we care that you died for us? Were our hearts broken that Jesus had to do that for us? Were we thankful enough to receive that gift? If there is somebody here today, Lord Jesus, that has never met you personally, that's never received that gift, I pray that even now, right now, They would just call out to you and say, Dear God, I know that I'm that sinner, but I thank you for giving your life for me, Lord Jesus. I thank you for offering me life that would last forever. And I ask you to come into my heart and to wash my sins away and and to help me to make the most of my life. Lord, I pray for your children that are here today. We have so far to go, God. We might be saved. We might be going to heaven, but we're still pretty messed up many times. We need you, God. We need you to help us. And I pray that somebody here today would not miss this opportunity to have that part of their life that you're wanting to work on, corrected or changed or cleansed. So right now, I pray that you would do your work and that we would listen and obey. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here this morning, you would say, I have missed so many opportunities. I have good news for you. Here's an opportunity, amen? You know what the enemy does? He lies to us. He lies to us. He tells us all sorts of garbage, especially when God is speaking to us. So I want you to be very careful about that right now. 
Do not let him convince you otherwise. The truth is that God is offering you cleansing and forgiveness and a fresh start right now today. If you would say, I wish I had taken all those opportunities in the past, the evidence that that is true is if you take the one in the future. Amen? Why, why would I expect that I would have accepted God way back then if I won't today? Is it just words or is it true? If God were to speak to your heart, would you respond to Him? You can show that right now. You can evidence that by the actions you take. 